This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, it's 7.06, it's Tuesday, it's the 2nd of January and you're listening to The Morning Run with Keep Calm and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Now for the people who have just tuned in, we wish everybody a very good 2024 with lots of health and happiness and a little bit of wealth thrown in because we are, after all, the morning run. Now in about 30 minutes, we'll be discussing what to expect on the geopolitical front for this year. But in the meantime, let's recap how global markets closed last Friday. So, yeah, on Friday, uh, the Dow Jones was down 0.1%. The S&P 500 was down 0.3%. The Nasdaq was down 0.6%. Uh, that was on Friday. Uh, most markets were closed yesterday all across Asia. Uh, but the only one that was actually opened was uh, the Nikkei. And that ended 0.2% lower. Uh, on f- Back on Friday again, just for some context, the FBMKLCI ended 0.9% lower at 1,455 points. Didn't quite make the year-to-date uh, positive close. Hasn't been for like years, <laughs> right? I think something like five hours, six I was years. still hopeful, you know, at some point. <laughs> Hope springs eternal. Come on, 2024, show us. <laughs> Meanwhile, I think other markets were kind of mixed. Uh, Hang Seng was up like zero flat. Shanghai Composite was also up 0.7%. That was on Friday, though. Uh, yeah. Though Friday. And of course, Trades Times Index closed the year up, uh, sorry, closed on Friday up 0.8%. So for some insights on where global markets are heading for this year, we speak to Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist at the US Trust Bank of America Private Wealth Management. Good morning, Joe, and a very happy 2024 for you. Now, first off, we really have to ask where markets are going because the S&P 500 finished the year up 25%, the Nasdaq, of course, up more than 40%. Is this any indication of what will happen for the rest of 2024? Is it going to be another gangbusters year? Well, happy New Year! But I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be that happy. Uh, the returns this year, as opposed to 2023, I mean, phenomenal year uh, last year. But we're looking more for like single-digit gains, and it'll be choppy. Never, nothing's ever linear, so we've got a lot to work through. Near-term U.S. recession prospects. Maybe the markets are overestimating the Fed cutting rates, and then we still have to deal with the election, U.S. election and other elections around the world throughout the course of the year. So we see upward momentum to U.S. equities, but nothing linear. It's going to be choppy. And Joe, are you going to be changing your asset allocation recommendations with regards to markets? Is there a preference between equities, fixed income, cash, or even alternate assets? I think it, we, we, it's a good question because I think we will lean more into equities. We've been neutral on equities, neutral on fixed income. But um, if we're looking for the Fed to start to cut rates by, say, early as March, if, if not be shortly thereafter, and we avoid the recession, um, we're going to start to be more constructive on equities. And what we're going to start to see, too, is it's going to help equities. The $6 trillion sitting in money market funds, that's going to start to bleed and come out and go into fixed income and equity. So I think that's a lot of dry power for more upside. Joe, uh, you you mentioned um, the upcoming elections by the end of this year. There's just so many moving parts out there and so much uncertainty uh, with uh, even uncertainty whether or not Donald Trump might even be on the ballot. Uh, what's, the, what's the play like going forward? What, do you, what are you expecting to, to happen? Well, I think the markets will just stay focused on the valuations, the fundamentals, and the, say for the first half of this year. But when we get into 
you know, say, you know, the summer, definitely after Labor Day, if it's the two people we think are going to be, you know, the, you know, the incumbent mm-hmm. president and President Trump, um, then they're going to be more focused, surely, on, you know, the swing states, what's the platforms, the outlook for taxes, tariffs. I mean, it's, it's going to, I think the focus becomes more sharp as we go in deeper into the year. But right now, it's more about Fed cuts, earnings trough, good growth, and a pickup in global demand. And Joe, if we look at just the performance of the U.S. equity market, so much of it was concentrated on these magnificent seven. Do you see them still having the same level of weight when it comes to moving markets, or will actually market gains be more broad? I think the market gains have to be broader, better breadth this year. And in fact, some of these companies... I don't know how they can you know, repeat performance in terms of equity returns. There's going to be a lot of pressure on these companies to show the results, whether it's AI or just you know computing, platform, cloud. So there's a lot of focus on these firms. So I wouldn't bank on the Magnificent 7 being that magnificent in 2024. <laughs> I mean, we've got to reel back our expectations. And then what sectors will actually shine last year was not a great year for banks, finance, and maybe even some discretionary consumers. Is that going to change? Um, you know, because I work for a bank, I hope it does change. <laughs> um, we, are, we are expecting, you know, more cyclical, uh, more value. Uh, if we get this call with no recession, the Fed cuts rates, you're going to start to see some of these laggards, uh, whether it's financials, industrials, materials. We still like energy because we just think they're profitable here. Still long defense and cybersecurity. Healthcare has lagged. Uh, but we could see some upside there with mergers and ac- acquisitions. So there's places to put money to work other than, say, tech. Joe, generative AI was the catchphrase of 2023. And, and, and I was reading somewhere that uh, going to 2024 with all the elections coming coming up, uh, AI is definitely going to play a part of it. Uh, this is gonna, this drove valuations of companies like Microsoft to, to stratospheric levels. Will we see more hype associated with this this year or will expectations of its impact be more moderated, you think? I think we're going to moderate because I think a lot of companies are looking at AI. I mean, they're, they're exploring how to increase productivity. They're exploring how, you know, you substitute labor for capital. Um, but we're not there yet. It hasn't been, you know, say, you know, customized or uh, really kind of broken out, so to speak. Um, so the scale isn't there. So the economies of scale aren't there yet. But more talk, we're heading in that direction. So I think the hype is behind us, but the reality is still in front of us in terms of like what it actually means for the bottom line of small companies, large companies, big companies, any company trying to be productive. Okay, Joe, can we get your outlook in terms of Asia, in particular uh, North Asia, because Japan and and Korea had, were also enjoyed stellar years, stellar performance in 2023. Do you see their stars shining as brightly as they did for 2024? Um, it's a good question because we're getting that question a lot from our clients, particularly Japan. There's a lot of interest on um, part of U.S. investors in Japan. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Can you know? Can Japan grow? They are in recession, slower growth. What's it mean for the you know Bank of Japan when it comes to the yield compression? South Korea has done well with electronics, the semiconductors, uh, some of the EV plays, batteries. I think that might cool off a little bit. But you know, honestly, we're looking down into Southeast Asia. Um, your part of the world, just you know, look at opportunities, whether it's related to travel, tourism, agriculture, commodities. Um, we're looking in that part as well. We probably see more upside down in Southeast Asia this year as opposed to Northeast Asia. 
What about China, Joe? That was the real big disappointment of 2023. That recovery boom we expected really did not materialize. Are you getting a little bit more optimistic for 2024? Or do you still see structural headwinds like the property sector, for example? I think near term, China looks attractive because they have been the laggard. It's one of the few equity markets in the world that was negative for the year. So you could say there's, you can make the case for a bounce for the valuations, but you got to be careful because as we go deeper into this year, we get closer to the U.S. election. If there's one thing both the Democrats and Republicans agree on, harsher terms, the tariffs, restrictions with China. And I think that could be kind of a headwind that builds later on. But I think near term, I wouldn't be surprised if you know if China kind of pulled ahead, led the way. Um, but whether it holds those gains for the rest of the year remains debatable. So if you make some money in China early this year, I'd probably take the profits by, by the summer. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. That was Joe Quinlan, Chief Market Strategist, U.S. Trust Bank of America, Private Wealth Management. Any conversation with his views on China that you might see a bit of a bounce, but if you have any gains... Lock it in quickly because it's going to be a volatile market. He's still not that positive about uh, China going forward. But uh, I, I think over the weekend, I saw a report that President Xi Jinping has has vowed to put to do all he can to bring China up to the level that the I guess the world expects it to to be. Such pressure on him and the country. Well, it is a some form of a controlled economy. So if he says that it's going to happen, just like every year they say their GDP is 5% and it lands there very nicely. So do watch that space. Uh, but what's interesting is that he Joe expects Southeast Asia to do well this year. He's excited about sectors like travel, agriculture, commodities. So it looks like EM, the EM space, emerging market might might be our time to finally He might be shine. visiting us then, I guess. I hope so. That's always an indication. We like every tourist dollar. Uh, but in the meantime, let's talk about a man that has that really dominated headlines in 2023. Of course, that is the one and only Elon Musk. So he's kept off the year, well, last year, as the world's richest person, retaking the spot from French luxury but uh, tycoon Bernard Arnault. Now, Tesla CEO secured an additional $95 billion on last Thursday's close, boasted by the success of Tesla and SpaceX Despite despite losing one hundred thirty eight billion dollars in twenty twenty two, his net worth stood at fifty billion dollars more than Arnos after a global slowdown in demand for luxury goods affected shares in LVMH. Meanwhile, Amazon.com founder Jeff Bezos added more than seventy billion dollars to his net worth. He is now in close competition with Arno for second place, while Meta platform CEO Mark Zuckerberg's fortune jumped by more than eighty billion dollars. A lot of money floating around there. Anyway, they combine, are you anywhere there, Keith? Are you can, anywhere nearby? I can only dream of like maybe dipping my toes in that. But the combined net worth of the 500 richest people surged by one and a half trillion dollars in 2023, representing a full rebound from the 1.4 trillion dollars lost in 2022. And this is according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index. And compare this to the front page of the Star, where I see there's been another big raid on foreigners in KL. Uh, really, it's a tale of two halves, right? And you know what? What really tickles me, if you want to find out who, who are the richest people in the world on Bloomberg, the ticker is R-I-C-H. 
I think that really describes them. Uh, but let's just see how 2024 ends. Who gets to the top of the pile? What 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 is interesting? You though, might make it there. I seriously <laughs> doubt it. I'm sorry. Probably at this rate, the only way I get in is if I marry a billionaire. <laughs> I don't think I've got enough time to make it on my own. Um, but very quickly, related to Elon Musk is of course X. The social media formerly known as Twitter is believed to have lost some 71.5% of its value since Elon Musk took it over. And yeah, this is according to a Sputnik report. It's based on information from US Financial Services Corporation Fidelity, which helped the Tesla CEO procure X for about $44 billion. Fidelity also believes that X lost some 10.7% of its value in November 2023. It's no longer listed, right? That's probably no. why we have to rely on reports like this. Definitely. <laughs> so he seems to have done pretty well when it comes to Tesla and SpaceX, but not so good luck with X. Let's just see how the, the cookies crumble for him. Uh, up next, we're going to take a look at the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.